0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Brother David Timothy, pastors in Fort Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And uh, our own pastor, Nathan, uh, pastors right here with his wife, Charla. And they're gone this weekend. But my other son is here today. And uh, he married our daughter, and pastor's in Greensboro, North Carolina. But he's had a mighty, Holy Ghost-empowered ministry for many years, and he's going to bless the people of God today. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Yes. Pastor Elicio? come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Let's preach with him today. Let's go ahead and have some Holy Ghost revival in the house today. Yes. Thank you, Brother Elms. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Yeah. Magnify him. See, I'm the Elms' imported son. I my wife told me the other day, she says, I want you to start combing your hair like an Italian. I said, What? What? I am one. <laughs> So I didn't practice it on you today. I apologize. Maybe next time. Who knows? Or maybe not. Feel a good spirit in the house. I feel uh, welcoming. I feel a camaraderie. I feel a sense of family. It is an honor to be with Brother and Sister Elms. They're always so pleasant. And um, just feels like, it feels like if you're a guest here, this is a good place to make a home for your soul. I want to read from Ruth chapter number 1. We'll read verses 14, actually through 18. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Verse 18 says, And when Naomi saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking. Under her. So in our story, we're dealing with three women and a crisis. I want to uh, preach from the subject this morning, the uh, place of no return. Let's ask God's blessing. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for the power of your spirit. We pray that the hand of God would rest upon us in the lovely name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Shake hands with someone one more time. You may be seated. What we have is an appeal by a mother-in-law who is in the grips of distress so much so that she didn't want to be responsible for any more pain and suffering so Naomi assumed that under the circumstances the best advice she could offer her daughter-in-laws who had recently been widowed was for them just to go back to where they came from And she made the appeal several times. The girls resisted it at first, but then finally one of them, by the name of Orpah, the Bible says, kissed her and then departed back to the land of Moab. Back to her people and back to her gods. Essentially, she said yes to her mother-in-law. Okay, yes, I'll do what you want me to do, I'll go back. But it was the wrong kind of yes. And although it is a lengthy and poetic and beautiful reply, Ruth's reply was quite different. Don't entreat me to leave you anymore. In other words, it was a no. I ain't gonna go. But it was the right kind. Of no. So, really, there's the wrong kind of yes, and there's the right kind of no. I know I'm not here to give marriage advice, <laughs> but I got this little baby right here. I'm sure that there's no husband in this uh, room this morning that's ever had your wife get upset with you. Charge off into the bedroom and slam the door, and say something like this: "Leave me alone." I. Uh, some of us learned the lesson the hard way. "Leave me alone" does not mean. <laughs> Go back to your favorite chair get on your computer or read the newspaper leave me alone means you got about two or three minutes to start pawing at the door like a lost puppy dog unless you're more than a, of a man than I am maybe you are I found that it's very helpful to congregations for preachers to make confessions. So I'm going to make one, although a lot of you don't even know me. And it's a little scary making in front of my in-laws. But, <laughs> but I vetted this because I've said it before. First time I learned this lesson was early in married life. We were traveling as evangelists. And that means you live out of a travel trailer that you park in church parking lots that nine times out of ten are not as nice as this campus here, which means you're in a real bad side of town, and there's no lights out there, and it's pitch dark. And uh, we fussed over something, and my wife decided she was going to march outside. There was nowhere else to go. (laughs) It was either go into the bathroom or go into the closet or go outside. So she went outside and slammed the door. <laughs> See, I didn't know this then that when you get the door slammed, you're supposed to come right behind it and open it back up. <laughs> two or three minutes went by, the door opens back up, here she comes. I can't believe you left me out there in the middle of the night with thieves and murderers and robbers and rapists all over the place. I thought you loved me. <laughs> so there's a time when you need to disagree And there's a time when agreeing with what appears to be something you're supposed to agree with is dangerous. (laughs) So, uh, I want to talk about people that have an emotional relationship with God versus people that have a deep consecration and a deep conviction. Both of them may have a relationship of some kind, but one is shallow. And subject to being uprooted. And the other is, is like bedrock. And it cannot be moved. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and walked away. Naomi clave under her. I don't know who you want to be today. But I want to be the kind of Christian that can stay the course. I don't want a fleeting, momentary, shallow emotional, changeable relationship with God. But I want something that's fixed and permanent and rooted and grounded and can stand the test of time. There was trouble in paradise a few months ago when, or even weeks ago, when there was a false alarm that went out And the inhabitants of the Hawaiian Islands scrambled for safety because the announcement came out that they were in imminent danger of a nuclear attack or nuclear missiles were headed their way and they had just moments to respond. For those of you that read the news articles, you read about how mothers and fathers lowered children into manholes in an attempt to put them in some kind of uh, protective safety in the event of um, cataclysmic explosions, radioactivity, and such like. Well, the, uh, the alarm turned out to be a false alarm, but according to the um, people that run one of the most popular uh, porn websites in the world, I do not have to, and will not, and don't care the name of it, But what they discovered was at 8.07 a.m. when the announcement was made, their traffic died down. Way down. I guess people, when faced with the prospect of certain death, suddenly discover, this ain't something I want to be doing when the bombs go off. (coughs) I think that's a wise observation to make. But if you don't want to be doing it while you're dying... Why would you want to be doing it while you were living? But as soon as the announcement came back that all was clear and that it was a false alarm, the traffic on the website picked up 50% at 8.45 in the morning. Don't people need to be doing something important at 8.45 in the morning? At 8.45 this morning, there was people pulling into the parking lot. Having a cup of coffee. Shaking hands with a few brothers and sisters. Getting ready to have church. Here we are. Amen. Still in the morning hours. Lifting our hands. Praising the name of Jesus. Doing something valuable and important. Making the world a better place. By allowing God to move in our lives. My point is this. 16 minutes of conscience searching, 16 minutes of perhaps repentance, maybe 16 minutes that involved a little bit of praying and a little bit of God forgive me, but it was too little, too late, it wasn't enough to hold them. Or to keep them. Or to prevent them from reverting back to who they had become. Let me tell you something. We're not here just for a sprinkling of the presence of God. But is there anybody here that is present because you want to be different? If you just want to stay who you are, I won't be of much use to you this morning. But if you are here and you are sick and tired of being sick and tired and you want to know God in a new dimension, then welcome to a place where you can dig in, where you can recommit where you can become a new creature in Christ Jesus, where you can be renewed in God. Put your hands together. And so I offer you a new definition of praying through, at least my definition of praying through. And that is... You know, oftentimes we call praying through just praying enough or feel enough of God to be validated somehow in our in our spirit that everything is okay, and that's fine. But uh, I want a little more than that. I think praying through has got to carry us a little further than that. The Scripture says when Naomi saw that Ruth's mind was made up, that she wasn't going to leave her, she quit asking her to go. Yeah. You want a real praying through? How about this for a definition? Let's get a hold of God in worship, and spirit, in prayer until the voice of negativity has no effect on us until it shuts the devil's mouth uh, and you no longer even hear the words, give up on God. What's the use? Nobody loves me. Why do I even try anyhow? Is there anybody that would like to silence uh, that lion voice of the devil once and for all? Let's have a Holy Ghost breakthrough this morning. I think a lot of times we misunderstand what spirituality even is. We think that spirituality is a place that once you get there, you stay there. Uh, let me say this, there is no place in life that once you get there, you stay there. Yes. Right? right? right. Uh, whether you're a parent, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a career person, whether you're a preacher, whether it doesn't matter that, that the only way to stay somewhere is you got to work at it. Spirituality isn't just something that happens automatically and then that's the last that you have to worry about. Isaiah 40 and 31 says it this way, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Well, I want to introduce you to the cyclical view of spirituality. Our problem is we look over at someone else and we compare ourselves among ourselves, which is not wise. Because what you're doing is you're looking at someone who's high in the cycle of their spiritual experience when you may be low on the cycle. And it may look to you like God loves them more than he loves you. But they're not going to stay where they are forever, neither are you going to stay. How about one of our favorite verses? And it came to pass. Sometimes we need to be reminded, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. So I want you to notice that it begins with waiting, and then it says they shall renew. <laughs> renew. Thank God for renewal. If you don't have a passion or a desire to renew yourself in the Holy Ghost, you need to get one real quick because you can't last long on an uncharged battery. Why don't we treat our relationship with God with at least the same respect that we have for our cell phones? I know how you panic when that little red light comes on and said 20%. Oh, where's my charger? You've seen them in the airports plug into a wall charger and sit on the floor because they'd rather charge their cell phone battery than sit in a comfortable chair because you just can't get out of touch with the world around you. Got to keep a full charge at all time. Well, let me tell you, you got a soul that's a lot like a battery. And And one dose isn't going to do it. That's why we're back this morning at the house of God. That's why you'll be back on Wednesday for a Bible study. Because you can't let this thing operate on low. you got to fill it up and top it off. we got to understand the principle of renewal. Spiritual people are people who recognize it's time for me to recharge my Holy Ghost batteries. And I need a renewal. Yeah. Secondly, it says they shall mount up with wings as eagles. I saw on one of the slides that were up this morning that, uh, that there was a cliff, and, and a, a fa- cliff face going up. It looked like Half Dome or one of those famous rock climbing cliffs. Well, the eagles will build their nests in those cliff-like structures. And they become wise discerners of the wind they understand the force of a thermal updraft. And so oftentimes the eagle will do nothing but wait on the wind. <laughs> That's a lesson we could all learn. I've tried to get ahead of the Holy Ghost. Believe me, it doesn't work out too well. And when the wind is just right, when the, when the, when the thermals are rising, then what they do is they just launch out and spread their wings and let the wind do all the work they mount up with wings as eagles not wings like butterflies some of us got wings like hummingbirds (laughs) i'm giving it all i got brother you ain't going nowhere yeah but look at these vibrations yeah but you're six feet off the ground (laughs) You know what? Quit working your wings and let your wings work. Hallelujah. Spirituality is not just a bunch of work. It's allowing the principles that are given in the word of God to work for you and with you. Hey, man, if you'll just spread your wings in the spirit of the Lord. I've watched people try to pray through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost like a hummingbird tries to sip nectar from a flower. And oftentimes I'll just tell him, just just stop. Quit trying to make anything happen. Just give God a chance to work. Let him take over. And guess what? The next thing you know, when we get out of the way, God gets in the program. Somebody needs to get out of the way. Come on, somebody needs to let God take care of your situation. Someone needs to spread their wings as an eagle. I want you to notice the progression. It's instantly up. Then they mount up with wings as eagles. Then they run and they're not weary. Oh, thank God for glorious Holy Ghost acceleration. I'm so glad that when we can run. But then it says they shall walk and not faint. And then the assumption is we're going to go right back to wait. So get this. It's wait. It's soar. It's run. It's walk. It's wait. It's wait, it's soar, it's run, it's walk, it's wait. All of us are in one of those places. At some some part of our journey today, in some context of that cycle. And some of you are at the waiting time. And let me tell you, it's not waiting for God. It's waiting in God. If you're waiting for God, you're going to lose your patience. If you're waiting for God, it's going to look like God doesn't care about you. But if you're waiting in God, oh, hallelujah. If you're waiting in God, you'll understand what the Lord said to Moses when he said, Why are you crying out? I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. I mean, why would God tell 3 million uh, 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 people trying to escape Egypt with charging chariots and armies behind them and a Red Sea stopping them in front of them to wait? This seems like no time to wait. The enemy is going to get us. Job twenty-eight seven says this, There is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which no vulture's eye hath not seen. The lion's whelp have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. If you're in the waiting stage, and you're waiting in God, then you're in a place where hell cannot find you you think the devil's going to catch up to you and do you in you think life's going to put a stranglehold on you and choke you out but what you don't realize if you are waiting in god you are surrounded i said you are surrounded The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Hallelujah. I say, if you're in him, you're safe. Hell cannot find you. Satan cannot attack you. The devil cannot harm you because you're surrounded by the blessings and the presence of the living God. Oh, let's thank him right now. Let's thank him right now. Let's praise him. I don't offer you 16 minutes of conscience. I don't offer you a quarter of an hour of spirituality then have you revert right back to the person you don't want to be in Jesus' name this morning, God is offering somebody a complete revolution in your soul and in your mind and in your spirit. Is anybody up for being renewed and changed and transformed? Does anybody want the experience that Ruth had that is so deeply connected to her core that she knows, that she knows, that she knows, uh, amen, that hell's not going to knock her out of this race? And so... Orpah kisses her, she shows some some amazing tenderness and emotion. But Ruth is committed. Some of us that have had any kind of psychological studies in your background know this, that there is perhaps the gate to, perhaps the emotion is the gateway to the mind, right? I do have sense enough to know this, that if I want to reach you today, I stand a much likelier chance of penetrating your mind if I, if I begin by trying to move your heart. Because we all know, I mean, almost never does a commercial advertise an automobile by looking at its engineering stats. Who cares about that? It's the cool factor. Right? It's the plush interior. It's the sophisticated exterior. It's the look. And um, the salesman wants you to see yourself behind the wheel. Then it gets there. But it's also true that the things that we think have an effect on how we feel. Generally, well, I think it was Zig Ziglar that said sometimes we need to check up from the neck up. Where does depression come from? Well, to a great extent, it comes from what you've been thinking about. So the next time you're feeling really down, why don't you ask yourself, what are you thinking about? Yeah. If you change what you're thinking about, you'll change the way you feel. That's right. right? So there is an interplay between uh, how we feel and what we're thinking and what we're thinking and how we're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to go, I want to go an order of magnitude deeper than that. And I want to tell you, there is a place of permanence. There is a place that is, uh, that is, that is uh, that's primal. Paul put it this way. He said, when I would do good, evil is present. Yeah. The good that I would do, I don't. The evil that I don't want to do, I do. Before to will is present with me. But how to perform that? To perform that which is good, I, I I can't necessarily put my finger on it, but I know that I know that I know that I'm in it to win it. Yes. See, even when I'm defeated, I go nowhere. Even when I make a mess of my life, I still have a conviction somewhere in my core. So, yeah. Jesus put it this way, Father: If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless. Not my will, but thy will be done. So there is a level of commitment that reaches beyond how we think or how we feel. There is something inside of those of us, many of us, perhaps all of us here, that says, I don't care who comes or who goes. I don't care if my best friend decides to turn their back on God. I don't care if the spirit of skepticism sweeps uh, even to a greater degree than it has. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is there anybody like that? Is there anybody that really doesn't have to think about it, that you're not looking at a profit and loss sheet at the end of every month. Is it worth it to serve God? Are you not, are you still making columns saying, well, serve God? Yes. Are you plucking days that he loves me? He loves me not. He loves me. Are you there? Or is there something else that says like Job said, though he slay me, if everything I know about God is wrong, of if God becomes my enemy, you'll never be able to shake me from this place because if you kill me, I'll still serve you. My God, it's here. And so I ask this question. What is it about Naomi's God that appealed to Ruth anyway? She marries Naomi's son, he dies. She travels with Naomi's family, Naomi's husband dies. She just gets to liken her new sister-in-law who's married Naomi's other son, he dies. The hard times that they sought to escape by leaving Israel and going to the land of Moab only turns for the worse. So much so that Naomi says, I went out full and I've come back empty. And here you got this girl saying, give. That's the God I'm looking for. I want a God like that. (laughs) Well, it might help us to understand why this appealed to her. But when you think of the context, the story of Naomi... Ruth and Orpo unfolded during the times of the judges. And in your Bibles, you go to the last verse, the last book of Judges, and it sums it all up. There was no king in the land. And everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. So everybody had a belief system. And everybody that had a God had a God who agreed with their belief system. And so all that Ruth had ever seen or known was that people had gods who were in complete agreement with them 24-7. Now, I know you wish you had a God like that, but you don't. (laughs) And before the message is over, maybe you'll thank him for it. Because I search my Bible from cover to cover and I can't find anybody anywhere that God doesn't at some point in their experience oppose them in some kind of a way and challenge them and be different than what they expected him to be. Whether it's Moses when he smites the rock, whether it's Elijah depressed under the juniper tree, whether it's Samuel grieving over the loss of Saul and over the rejection of his own sons... Come on, whether it's Jesus Christ himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or whether it's the Apostle Paul. I prayed three times that this demon, this affliction would leave me. And God answered me back finally and said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know what that is? That's a divine no. I'm not going to heal you. You're going to live with it. And then Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my affliction that the power of Christ may rest upon me, because when I'm weak, I'm strong. I know you want a God who does everything you think he ought to do. I know you think you want a God who agrees with every one of our ideas, but that's not who he is. And Ruth got a revelation. I want a God who has enough commitment to his character to withstand me. And, and disappoint me and let me ultimately discover that his plan is better than my plan and his ways are above my ways and his thoughts are beyond my thoughts. I want a God like that. And so, Naomi was down. Thank God... Everybody's not down at the same time. That's why you need to be in church because you may be down this week. Someone you know is up and they'll help lift you up. Right. Naomi said, don't even call me Naomi anymore. Just call me Mara. Just call me forsaken, desolate, cursed, hopeless. Amen. Naomi wanted the girls to go because she couldn't see a way out. I'm old Too old to have sons, she said, for you to marry. I'm alone. There's a curtain of shame hanging over me that I'm going to have to face when I walk into my hometown. I don't want to put that on you girls. Go! Go! Poor Naomi. She made the mistake that we so oftentimes make. and Just because we can't see how God's going to do it, we assume it can't be Well, let me remind you what Paul said. There is no temptation taking you, but that which is common to man. And God has made a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Let me say this. You're going through stuff that tens of thousands and millions of others have gone through, and God made a way for them. And the same God that made a way for them is going to make a way for you. isn't it funny how Jesus walks up to a man who for 38 years was paralyzed at the the brink of the pool of Bethesda and says, what do you want? And he says, I don't have a man. I don't have anybody to help me. I'm telling you, he's standing in front of the universal somebody, and he's saying, I ain't got nobody. When you got Jesus, you don't need nobody else. Naomi was saying, Girls, I don't have anybody out there to help us. What she didn't realize was God had somebody. His name was Boaz, and she was a relative of his, although she may have never known it or ever met him. But somewhere in the providence of God, the woman who thought she had nobody had somebody. And God was in that somebody. Because Boaz fell in love with Ruth and Ruth and Boaz had a baby by the name of Obed, and Obed gave birth to Jesse, and Jesse gave birth to David. And it's history from there on out. David became the great progenitor of Jesus Christ, and we are here, blood bought, Holy Ghost filled, born again, because Naomi went forward, and Ruth wouldn't let go of a promise. You got somebody. I said, you got something. I said, you have a future. I said, you have a hope. All is not lost. Woo! Yeah, praise God. Probably the the best thing that's in your tomorrow is going to be born in the altars of your difficulty today if you can somehow get it in your spirit that i'm not going to be moved from my commitment to god no matter what happens whether i can see a way out or not then god is free to set you up for a glorious tomorrow hallelujah Hallelujah. you forgot you know we're like now we we have a forgotten relative it's amazing how ethereal and abstract and far away and counterintuitive Jesus becomes when we're enmeshed in troubles. But don't you forget this. You have royal blood in your veins. You're not just a tag-on or an add-on. You're not just a stepchild. Come on. But you, ha- you are a child of the king. You got somebody. His name is Jesus. He's the head of the royal family. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. So Ruth found it refreshing to find a God that doesn't agree with everything she thinks. Next time God says no to us, I think we ought to celebrate <laughs> rather than gripe or fuss because it's reassuring to know that there's a God that cares enough about his own contract with humanity to be consistent with it. And Ruth was so committed to her future that she said, where you go, I go. Where you worship, I worship. The God you serve, I serve. Where you're buried, I'm going to be buried. Where you die, I die. In other words, this commitment goes beyond this life. Funny how people, funny how people, uh, it, it, people are partiers, you know, unbelievers are partiers and rip roaring, uh, coke snorters and everything else. Then, unfortunately, sometimes they die, go to the funeral, then they're automatically saints. <laughs> <laughs> Who, why, look really it doesn't make much logical sense for someone who is consumed with evil and sin and wickedness what would they want anything to do with heaven no sins there Isn't it, doesn't it surprise you sometimes they don't want God on earth but they think they're going to be per- perfectly fitted for God for eternity in heaven that doesn't compute You're, like the old song says I'm just warming up I'm just warming up this is our dress rehearsal for eternity, brothers and sisters. You've you got to like who God is here. Yes. you got to want to be who God is here. Yes. You want to follow God here. If you don't do it here, uh, uh, going, doing it up there is going to be a form of torture too. <laughs> and so she said, my commitment goes beyond the grave. I won't even permit my bones to be carried into Moab. Hallelujah. (laughs) I want the musicians to come. Think of it this way. By and large, God is for us. Now, I know I say he resists us sometimes, but really what he resists is our naive, childish, selfish um, ideas. Because really, honestly, the only way to get at our hearts sometimes is to resist our wants so that we can get our needs. Yes. How, many is there, how many has God's given you everything you want? Raise your hand. What are you doing here? One raise their hand. Here, you take the mic. <laughs> well, what are you doing here? Why are you serving a God who doesn't give you everything you want? Let me ask it this way how many can say with an honest heart he's giving you what you need sometimes in order to give you what you need you got to withhold what you want and so Naomi says interested in giving me what I need not just what I want God is for us sometimes it looks like he's opposing us but here's a girl and I can preach if God be for us who could be against us and I feel confident I'm telling you the absolute truth who wouldn't want to walk with a God who's limited understanding looked like she was committing to a God that was against her. Job basically came to the realization, God, kind of looks like you've become my enemy, but I'll be your friend to the end. If a woman can commit her life beyond the grave to a God who seems to be against her, we remain cold and unmoved in the presence of a God who is for us. He's for the remission of your sins. He's for you being born again of water and spirit. He's for you triumphing over the evils that would otherwise overtake you. He's for your children who may be wandering out there in a world of sin, but they're on their way back home. He's for your prosperity. He's for you being healthy and happy and having a sound mind and a strong family. He's for the church, praise God, because this is the apple of his eye. Oh, all our excuses are gone this morning. Amen. And so in verse 22 of the same chapter, it says, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of of the barley harvest only two times in scripture is the beginning of the barley harvest mentioned here and in the book of Samuel when the Gibeonites wanted um, revenge against the household of Saul and David said what is it that you want they said we want Saul's sons hanging in the gallows feast days of Israel we're familiar with. Jesus was crucified on the day of atonement. Resurrected. At first fruits. The time of the barley harvest. Holy Ghost poured out on the day of Pentecost. At least those have been fulfilled. Maybe some others are soon to come. My point is this. The barley harvest was the time of the first fruits. And the time of the first fruits was the first gleaning. want us to stand. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Why do we have confidence in serving the Lord that there's going to be a trumpet sound one day? Well, it's because we know that one day there's going to be a trumpet blast. And the resurrection is promised and guaranteed to us because Jesus already demonstrated it. Let me just say one more word and I'm going to invite somebody who feels like you lost everything. Everything. You either lost stuff, or you lost someone, and it feels like there's no way to ever recover what's gone. I want to tell you, this is the beginning of the barley harvest. There's more where that came from. And just as sure as the first sheaves of barley that come in are a guarantee that the Corn and and the figs and the other things that come down the line and the olives are also on their way. I want to tell somebody who feels like you got nothing to live for, nothing to serve God for. That there's I want to I wanna if you'll plant your feet like Ruth did and say, I'm not going anywhere. I have nowhere to go. I've reached the point of no return. I'm committing my life to the cause of God. It looks like it's gonna cost me everything. Maybe even my childbearing years. Maybe I'll never find a husband. Maybe I'll never become anything. But I'm going to commit to God in this dark hour of my life. Guess what happened? Uh, It was just the beginning of the barley harvest. Uh, Hallelujah! I don't know. Maybe there's one. Maybe there's five. Maybe there's ten. Maybe there's twenty. But there's something that you feel like is gone. And the devil tried to tell you it isn't coming back. Maybe you've been tempted to give up. I want you to step forward right here because this is going to mark the beginning of the barley harvest. This is going to mark the day when everything starts to turn for the good. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah. Some of you are prayer warriors, the prayer team, come and let's pray for some of these folks. I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been worshiping, I've been faithful, and I get nothing. I tried to love somebody, they broke my heart, and our life is in shambles. We want to have a child, but the doctor said we're not able to have children, and so now look at us i tried to start a business i had a dream of being a kingdom giver and i wanted to give and give and give and guess what happened my business went broke and now i don't even have enough to provide for my family it's the beginning of the barley harvest plant your feet say god i'm not going anywhere there's no turning back for me i've reached the place of no return and you watch and see what god does Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., and Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com, or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.